You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. AINC programming is brought to you in part by Weissman Family Dental in Boulder, Colorado. For over 25 years, Weissman Family Dental has been providing high-quality dentistry. They offer regular checkups, emergency care, and a wide range of specialty services. They also have staff that speak Spanish. If you are looking for a new dentist, find them at WeissmanFamilyDental.com or call them at 303-494-0101 and tell them Audio Information Network of Colorado sent you. Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Thursday, October 12, 2023 reading of the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Levine. Voter's Guide, Vote 2023 Content Archives, Special Editions Vote Guide, Boulder Valley School District Board of Education Endorsements, our 2023 Vote Guide Endorsements by Boulder Weekly Staff, October 12, 2023. We sent questionnaires to each of the candidates running for the BVSD Board of Education in 2023. Four of the seven BVSD Board of Education seats will be up for re-election in November 2023, two of which are term limited. District A candidates are Neil Fishman and Jason Unger. Jason Unger has experience working as a teacher, school administrator, and national policy advisor that will help him guide the future of the district in a positive direction. He started teaching elementary-aged kids in Compton, California, where he saw under-resourced public education firsthand. After earning a master's degree in public policy and education, Unger helped pass federal education bills that expanded student aid and launched the Head Start program while working in the office of former Senator Harry Reid, D. Nevada. Locally, he serves on the School About Accountability Committee and was city council appointed to a five-year term on Boulder's Parks and Recreation Advisory Board. Engagement is a key piece of this candidate's platform. He's working to meet with parents from all 56 schools in the district to help give him a taste of both broad trends and individual school issues. This shows us Unger is prioritizing his constituents and will be responsive to their needs. Neil Fishman is also a quality candidate who has been involved in the community for decades with organizations like Out Boulder County and by serving on the District Parent Council. He brings a social justice-oriented mind to the race, where we expect will be a close one. If elected to the BVSD Board of Education, Unger's priorities are to address declining enrollment, increasing student safety around sexual violence, lowering student achievement gaps, and raising the district's investment in mental health services. With Unger's track record in our education system, we think he's capable of achieving these goals. District C, Alex Medler, Cynthia Nevison, and Andrew Steffel. 
Alex Medler is another candidate with a long history in education. Over the last 30 years, he's worked nationally for the U.S. Department of Education, as well as in the Centennial State for the Education Commission of the States, the Colorado's Children Campaign, and the Colorado Association of Charter School Authorizers. Medler put his two children through BVSD schools and has a vision to enhance the student experience in the district. One of his top priorities is expanding mental health programming to address the rising rates of young people struggling with depression, anxiety, and suicide. He's also thinking about students after they leave BVSD and is an advocate for more career and technical education to increase access to post-secondary options after high school. One tangible proposal he outlined in our questionnaire was to provide additional and permanent dollars for schools with higher proportions of low-income students, language learners, and students with disabilities, which resonates with us as a policy that prioritizes equity and accessibility. Medler's continued engagement with parents and other district stakeholders, seasoned professional experience, and healthy list of endorsements from notable community organizations and elected officials puts him in a good position to be a positive, collaborative force on the board. District D, Andrew Brandt and Lalenia Quinlan Aweida. Andrew Brandt is a cybersecurity specialist and former investigative journalist with two teenagers in the BVSD system. In his spare time, Brandt is a volunteer at CU's Media Archaeology Lab and is involved in community projects like helping construct the first school garden at Eisenhower Elementary. Brandt's commitment to equity is shown by his goals to address disproportionate discipline with data-driven and permanent solutions and to continue the differentiated funding for schools in the sub-district with the greatest needs. He also says BVSD's shift to school safety advocates, SSA, quote, has been a huge success at keeping kids safe, unquote, but wants to keep a watchful eye on the program if it needs adjustments to stay successful. SSAs replaced armed school safety officers per November 2020 school board vote and now assist with things like threats, bullying, and sexual assault investigations within schools. While he doesn't have decades of experience in public policy or education, Brandt says he's driven to help people and will bring a spirit of cooperation and collaboration to the school board. At the October 6 Out Boulder County Candidate Forum, Brandt brought energy and enthusiasm that made us believe him. We think he'll do well on the board. District G. G. Jorge Chavez, Stuart Lord, and Anil Pesaramelli. 
Jorge Chavez has been deeply involved in BVSD since moving to Colorado in 2018 and enrolling his three kids in the district. He's been a parent volunteer since the beginning and sits on the Families and Educators Together, FET, team, the District Accountability Committee, and chairs a School Accountability Committee. Chavez has connected with families, teachers, and administrators throughout this involvement, which gives him important insight into BVSD's challenges and needs. Chavez's priorities, policies, and ideas reflect his understanding of the district. While acknowledging BVSD as a high-performing district, he says there are, quote, long-standing inequalities in education outcomes for students of color in special education, English language learners, and from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, unquote. To address these problems, along with others like punitive discipline practices and the mental health crisis, Chavez advises investing strategies like restorative justice programs and a social-emotional learning curriculum that will support students with the highest needs. Chavez moved from Guatemala to the U.S. when he was five years old and started kindergarten in an English-speaking school without knowing the language. He credits the public education system and the resources that were available to him through it for where he is today. Today, he is an associate professor in the School of Education and Human Development at the University of Colorado, Denver. The combination of Chavez's life experience, volunteer positions, connections with parents and staff, and his academic background inform the policies he supports and will make him an excellent board member. Lafayette 2023 City Council Endorsements by Boulder Weekly Staff, October 12, 2023. We sent questionnaires to each of the candidates running for Lafayette City Council in 2023. Click the candidates' names to see their answers. Below the candidates are Boulder Weekly's endorsements. City Council, choose four. Tim Barnes, incumbent. J.D. Mangat, incumbent. Eric Ryant, John W. Watson. Gala W. Orba, David Fridland, and Crystal Gallegos. Tim Barnes, incumbent. You can meet Tim Barnes while taking a tour of the I.M. Pei-designed National Center for Atmospheric Research, NCAR, in Boulder, where he works as an education specialist. But he's also currently on the Lafayette City Council, just wrapping up his first four-year term. Boulder Weekly endorsed Barnes in his initial run in 2019. In his time on council, Barnes has put his science knowledge to good use, serving on several committees, including Colorado Communities for Climate Action and the Sustainability and Resilience Advisory Committee. When answering our questionnaire, 
Barnes said his top priority was to, quote, build upon the high quality of city administration, unquote, currently in play, followed by a desire to, quote, nurture counselor collaboration, unquote. He credits council member Tanya Briggs, who passed away this year, for teaching him, quote, what it takes to understand residents, colleagues on council, and city staff, unquote. We believe an integral piece of making any progress as a city council member is the ability to work well with others, which sets Barnes up for another productive term on council. Lafayette is currently being sued over ordinances that prevent camping in public spaces, but the city has no dedicated shelter. Barnes says he believes the city should spend more money on services for those experiencing homelessness, including, quote, providing authentic resident-staffed mentorship for each unhoused individual wanting to live in Lafayette, unquote. He also expressed a desire to mimic the human support interventions applied by the Circles USA program, which supports families in poverty. Barnes has been a proponent of increasing access to affordable housing in Lafayette and meeting the city's climate and sustainability goals. David Fridland. David Fridland is a lifelong Boulder County resident with degrees in political science and public policy. His answers to our questionnaire were the most detailed of any candidate, particularly where climate change is concerned. Fridland started his career out of college doing curbside composting in Lafayette for EcoCycle. He currently serves as the president of the board for Recycle Colorado, a statewide nonprofit that focuses on advancing circular economies and improving recycling across the state of Colorado. He says Lafayette should build its own solar arrays or, quote, invest in power purchase agreements to get to our 100% renewable energy goal, unquote, by 2030, as laid out in the city's climate action plan. In his nine to five job, Fridlin oversees the air quality, climate action, and waste diversion efforts at Denver International Airport. DIA is like a small city with millions of people passing through each year, which we believe gives Fridland a strong foundation to succeed on city council. In a recent Lafayette Youth Advisory Committee candidate forum, Fridland said he was committed to, quote, pushing our city to be responsive and transparent, unquote. And while he may not have all the answers, quote, I pledge to listen, unquote. Fridland has a balanced response to helping those experiencing homelessness. He believes the city should spend more to help unsheltered community members. But Fridland isn't just a pie-in-the-sky progressive. He believes the city must be f fiscally responsible, placing, quote, fiscal prudence, unquote, third on his list of five priorities behind climate action and responsible growth.
J.D. Mangat. Boulder Weekly has supported J.D. Mangat since his first run for city council in 2019, after he'd already spent a year filling a vacated seat. He was just 22 at the time and went on to be elected as mayor by 26. Mangat grew up in Lafayette and now teaches eighth grade social studies at Angevine Middle School. Mangat still lives with his parents as he can't afford to live on his own in his hometown. So it was unsurprising to see that, quote, affordable housing slash cost of living, unquote, was at the top of Mangat's list of priorities in our candidate questionnaire, followed by conservation of water, intentional growth, hiring a new city manager, and continuing free affordable youth services. During his time on council, Mangat has supported increases in development fees to help create and disperse more affordable housing. Mangat is proud that Lafayette has just broken ground on Colorado's largest affordable housing complex to date, Willoughby Corner, which will offer 600 affordable units. He hopes to continue to follow the city's new housing plan, quote, to refine our development fees, growth management ordinance, and inquire about new ideas like inclusionary housing and denser developments, unquote. Where transportation is concerned, Mangat recently helped Lafayette finalize its multimodal transportation plan, which will work with RTD to make the city more bus transit oriented. He hopes to work with Lafayette's Parks Department to expand the trail system. Mangat says Lafayette should create its own Housing and Human Services Department, quote, while investing more in our nonprofits, unquote. He believes Lafayette relies too heavily on the already overburdened governments of Boulder County and neighboring cities to handle the region's growing population of people experiencing homelessness. Eric Ryant, our final choice for Lafayette City Council was difficult. Eric Ryant's answers to our questionnaire were the shortest of any, uh, any candidate and at times felt a bit flippant. Please decide for yourself by using the QR code at the beginning of this section to see Ryan's questionnaire, along with those of all other Lafayette City Council candidates. However, other candidates' answers contained factual inaccuracies, such as saying there is no shelter in Boulder County for unhoused women and children. Haven Ridge, formerly Mother House, in Boulder, and expressing a need to build more schools when enrollment at BVSD is so low that the district spoke this summer about closing as many as 10 elementary schools by the 2025-26 school year. So while we believe that there are other candidates on the ballot whose hearts and minds are in the right place, we also believe council members must have their facts straight. We do believe Ryant is a good choice for council. He brings to the table more than 40 years of business experience across various industries, 
including owning two dispensaries in Lafayette. During a Lafayette Youth Council Advisory Committee candidate forum, Ryant said that, quote, fiscal responsibility, balanced budgets, and understanding where the money is supposed to be spent, unquote, were at the forefront of his mind. While we may feel that some of his responses to our questions <clears throat> were light on details, we believe Ryant will bring a business sense to council, which is always needed to balance dreams against reality. You can see the 2025 Lafayette City Council candidate questionnaires at boulderweekly.com slash content dash archives slash voters dash guide slash 2023 dash Lafayette dash city dash council dash candidate dash questionnaires. That's Q-U-S-T-I-O-N-N-A-I-R-E-S. Louisville 2023 Endorsements by Boulder Weekly Staff, October 12, 2023. Mayor, four-year term, vote for one. Sherry Summer, Chris Lay, incumbent, or Josh Cooperman. Boulder Weekly has endorsed Chris Lay in his two previous bids for council, and we think his nine years of experience are critical to the council. If given another term, Lay says he wants, quote, to continue to help make Louisville an even better, more welcoming small town in which to live, work, do business, and visit, unquote. His top priorities are economic vitality, maintaining and protecting open space, effective climate action to reach sustainability goals, expanding housing options, and bringing Marshall Fire survivors home. Lay has concrete plans for how to create more affordable housing in Louisville through zoning changes and transportation-oriented development near McCaslin. He hopes to use strategic acquisition of residential property, deed restriction, and land banking as avenues to build more attainable housing stock to meet Louisville's 12% goal. As a partner in a law practice, we know Lay pays attention to detail and can balance a budget and operate a business. His law career has also made him a natural at listening and communicating, which has drawn Lay endorsements from his fellow council members, Caleb Dickinson and Dennis Maloney. Lay's answers to our questionnaire were short, but to the point and indicative of someone who understands what's going on in city government. Bullet points highlighted Lay's primary goals and concerns. But three-year resident, Louisville resident Josh Cooperman impressed us with his thoughtful, compassionate, and detailed answers. He has clear plans for building more affordable housing, achieving zero carbon goals, and improving multimodal transportation options. 
When he's not working as a theoretical physicist, Cooperman sits on the Louisville Sustainability Advisory Board. A father of two kids and former professor and tutor, we think Cooperman would be great at communicating difficult topics with patients. He's moved around a fair amount, residing in Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, England, California, the Netherlands, and New York. It gives him a lot of perspective, but could raise flags for voters looking for a longtime resident to sit on council. Our endorsement for Chris Lay puts a lot of weight on experience, which we think is crucial to navigating the labyrinthine bureaucracy of municipal government. However, we genuinely hope to see Josh Cooperman on the ballot again. Ward 1 Four-year term, vote for one. Caleb Dickinson, incumbent. Boulder Weekly has endorsed Caleb Dickinson before. However, this year he failed to return our candidate questionnaire. Still, he's running unopposed. This will be his second term as council member for Ward 1. Dickinson was born and raised in Boulder and moved with his own family to Louisville in 2010. He's a financial advisor for Aspen Property Management and also coaches soccer for FC Boulder, according to his LinkedIn page. He has a bachelor's in business administration and management. Ward 2, four-year term, vote for one. Deborah Fahey, incumbent, and George Colbert. Deborah Fahey is the incumbent, and we imagine she'll win, but she did not respond to multiple requests to fill out our candidate questionnaire. George Colbert is a longtime resident of Louisville, and his responses to our questionnaire were thoughtful and specific, but Fahey's nearly decade of experience on council, as well as her background working in service-oriented jobs, such as the activity director at a memory care facility, will lend knowledge, compassion, communication skills, and consistency to council. We worry that Colbert's job working for Helmerich and Payne, a petroleum contract digging company, might color his perspective on renewable energies. Ward 3, vote for not more than two. Second choice, Dietrich Hefner, incumbent. First choice, Barbara Hamlington, incumbent. The candidate with the highest number of votes will serve a four-year term. The candidate with the second highest number of votes will serve a two-year term. Barbara Hamlington and Dietrich Hefner are both current council members who bring a lot to the table. We endorse Hamlington as the primary choice to get a four-year term and Hefner as the second choice to get a two-year term. The two candidates don't differ much on policy, with both prioritizing economic vitality and affordable housing. And though both have the same nine months experience on council, we think Hamlington's job as a senior director of medical affairs for a company that works to develop cancer treatments, gives her less conflicts around things like renewable energy, 
than Hefner's job as a regulatory lawyer for industries like energy and natural resources. Ballot Issue 2C, Parks and Open Space Funding. Yes is a vote for and no is a vote against. This particular sales tax agreement has been approved by voters twice before, in 2002 and 2012. This current iteration of the extension increases the tax by 0.125% for what the city estimates will be a total of $1.5 million extra. This fairly modest increase will enable long overdue critical open space environmental protection and wildfire mitigation. The revenues from the 0.375% tax is the primary source of funding for the operation and maintenance of parks and open space. The tax also funds programs, capital projects, equipment, staff, and management work associated with the parks. The funding also goes toward volunteer and educational programs, as well as non-traditional methods of vegetation control, such as the use of goats to mitigate weeds. Issue 2C will also fund the construction of new connector trails, more trail maintenance, mowing and plowing, as well as signs and maps. We endorse a yes on Louisville ballot issue 2C. Cuisine, Nibbles, A Vintage Year, Boulder Burgundy Festival spotlights the city's evolution from beer-friendly to wine-savvy by John Lendorf, October 12, 2023. Not that long ago, ordering wine with dinner at most Boulder restaurants was less complicated. You just had to answer a simple question. Do you want red or white? Quote, in the early 1990s, there were only a half dozen restaurants in Boulder with strong wine lists, unquote, says Master Sommelier Brett Zimmerman, older owner of Boulder Wine Merchant. Quote, the level of wine appreciation wasn't anywhere near what it is here today. Slowly but surely, things got better around here, unquote. Boulder may be the center of the craft beer universe, but for one weekend, it will also be a big-time wine town. Zimmerman's 14th annual Boulder Burgundy Festival will attract hundreds of serious wine lovers October 21 and 22 for seminars, tastings, and French wine dinners. The recent Michelin Guide spotlight on Boulder eateries likely wouldn't have happened without a supportive wine community. Quote, I think the clientele of Boulder is a pretty sophisticated diner now, and wine is a big part of the Michelin, unquote, Zimmerman says. The number of Boulder County eateries catering to those tastes has risen rapidly. Quote, now there are dozens of local restaurants with good wine lists, he says. You walk into small restaurants and even they have well-selected wines to go with the theme or the cuisine, unquote. A Boulder native, Zimmerman didn't grow up dreaming of a career sipping the world's best wines. Quote, 
My first job was washing dishes, and eventually they let me make pizza at Roman Village Pizza. He says, quote, wine service was a bottle of Chianti in a basket, unquote. By the time he was in high school, Zimmerman was already working as a backwaiter at the Flagstaff House restaurant. Quote, that was the first place where I actually started to build some of that wine knowledge, he says. After that, I worked at Ristorante Laudicio and learned about Italian wines. Boulder Wine Merchant, with its singular focus, was a pioneering business when it opened in 1980. After Zimmerman bought the shop, he began appreciating wine in earnest. Quote, I've always had a passion for French wines, and I wanted to have more of our community engaged with them at restaurants and stores, unquote, he says. There was a selfish motive, too. If Boulder was seen as a burgundy market in the eyes of national distributors, Zimmerman reckoned even more French wines would end up here. In the past, the Boulder Burgundy Festival has brought in famous producers and experts from across the planet. This year, Zimmerman says the event is focusing on the wealth of Colorado wine talent, including Boulder's Jeremy Schwartz, lead sommelier at Michelin-starred Frasca Food and Wine. While many of the festival's events are sold out, Tickets to the October, 2020, October 22 Grand Tasting are still available. It's an uncommon opportunity in this state to sample and learn about rare vintages. Zimmerman will also be on hand November 2 at Black Belly's multi-course Bordeaux for Better dinner benefiting nonprofits such as Sophie's Neighborhood. Tickets for Boulder Burgundy Festival are at boulderburgundyfestival.com. The cultural shift is apparent almost every day at the Boulder Wine Merchant, Zimmerman says. Quote, we have lots of talented local wine people come through my door, and the conversations I have are much more in-depth than before, he says. There's a higher level of wine knowledge and a higher concentration of people who know what's going on, unquote. Local food news, state's PSL obsession. Yuki Pizza and Wings has closed at 385 Crossing Drive in Lafayette. Its nearby sister eatery, Colorado Walk, remains open, offering a stellar take on sesame chicken. Denver's La Diabla and Molotov Kitchen and Cocktails are on the New York Times 2023 Best Restaurants list. The Colorado culinary community is mourning the death of Matt Selby, a gifted and acclaimed chef best known for his 15 years at Denver's Vesta Dipping Grill. Colorado is the state with the most internet searches for pumpkin spice, according to analysis by gambling.com. Culinary calendar, dining with farmers. Numerous local farmers will supply and attend Soil Boulder's October 13 
Harvest Dinner at Lone Hawk Farm in Longmont. The multi-course meal includes green tomato relish, local giardiniera, and grass-fed beef served with heirloom corn grits, roasted red wagon poblano chilies, and mauco camembert. Tickets are at bouldersoil.org. Expert local chocolatier Sima Amsalem teaches a hands-on workshop in making chocolate pralines, truffles, and other treats October 26 at the Studio Boulder. Tickets at bit.ly slash Sima, that's S-I-M-A, workshop. Send information about upcoming Boulder County food-oriented events to nibbles at boulderweekly.com. Taste of the Week, Ramen at Dragonfly Noodle. The first slurp of rich broth at Boulder's Dragonfly Noodle offers layers of flavor supported by a savory scent. The bowl is anchored by a tangle of noodles topped with slices of cherrywood smoked pork belly, perfectly boiled egg halves, fried shallots, spicy sprouts, cloud ear mushroom, and green onions, with a spritz of black garlic oil on top. Each bite of Dragonfly's black tonkotsu ramen is a separate pleasure. It isn't surprising, since the Boulder Eatery is guided by noted noodle nerd Edwin Zoe, and is one of only two local restaurants that makes its own ramen noodles. Zoe's other eatery, Zoe Mama, recently picked up a Michelin-recommended designation and has gotten some attention from the James Beard Foundation. Another don't miss at Dragonfly Noodle is the Lobster Roll Bao, a cool upgrade on the traditional main sandwich packed with lobster tail, celery, butter, smoked paprika togarashi mayo, and green onions, all on a house-baked bun. Zoe's house-made fresh ramen noodles are also available to take home and cook. Words to chew on, love, and noodles. Quote, Eat, drink, man, woman. Basic human desires. Can't avoid them. All my life, that's all I've ever done. It pisses me off. Is that all there is to life? Unquote from Ang Lee's iconic film, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. John Lendorf hosts Radio Nibbles and Kitchen Table Talk on KGNU. Podcasts are at bit.ly slash Radio Nibbles Podcast. Entertainment, music, variations on a theme. Boulder Philharmonic, offers a season of new discoveries and familiar masterworks by Kelly Dean Hansen, October 12, 2023. Death, Taxes, and Butterman. The Boulder Philharmonic Orchestra has experienced many changes over the last few years, but music director Michael Butterman is a constant. As he embarks on his 17th season on the podium at Mackey Auditorium, the conductor is confident in the successful formula he has developed. Quote, 
It's the approach that always works for us, Butterman says. We have world premieres and boulder-centric programming, but I always want to include something recognizable and familiar along with new discoveries. Each concert speaks to Boulder in one way or another. Unquote. Describing the five concert masterworks series, Butterman highlighted these elements beginning with the season opener on October 15. But he also discusses the changes, like the arrival of new executive director Mimi Kruger. The most traumatic change for the orchestra and the community was the death of concertmaster Charles Chaz Weatherby in January of this year. A Sunday performance honoring the late violinist would become the cholera orchestra's best-selling post-pandemic concert, feeding the decision to move four of this season's concerts from the normal Saturday slot. The opening concert, titled Transformation, features pianist Anne-Marie McDermott, who is perhaps better known for her recital and chamber music performances than for playing with orchestra. She is a long-standing presence in the classical scene at Vail, but makes her bolder Phil debut with Beethoven's profound piano concerto number no. four. Quote, it has a lot of conversational chamber-like elements, especially the dialogue in the second movement, Butterman says. It seems a piece that is well-suited to her strengths, unquote. Visions of a Brighter Tomorrow. The program also includes two orchestral showpieces by 20th century composers inspired by masters from earlier periods, Benjamin Britten's Variations on a Theme by Purcell is often used in school music programs to teach the instruments. The work takes a simple theme by the early Baroque composer and uses it to explore the colors of the orchestra. Paul Hindemith's Symphonic Metamorphosis does something similar using material from early Romantic composer Carl Maria von Weber. Butterman opens with a tribute to the former composer by Estonian composer Arvo Pert. Quote, you can either go with fireworks or with calm placidity to open a concert, Butterman says. Here, we go with the latter to set up the Britain work and also the second movement of the Beethoven Concerto. Unquote. The second concert on November 12 opens with the world premiere of Beacon by CU composition professor Jeffrey Nitsch, celebrating the 75th year of the Boulder Star on Flagstaff Mountain. The central piece is by Argentinian composer Richard Scofano from Be for Bandoneon and Orchestra called La Tierra Sin Mal, with Scofano himself playing the instrument native to his country. Quote, it's a gorgeous piece that is based on a Guarani legend about a place without evil and a paradise in the mind, Butterman says. I felt it would complement Jeff's celebration of our own Boulder Star and its symbolism, unquote. 
Scofano's piece will be performed with choreography by local contemporary company Third Law Dance Theater. The familiar masterwork on this program is the First Symphony of Johannes Brahms, which progresses from a dark opening to a triumphant breakthrough. All three works fit the concert theme, quote, Visions of a Better Tomorrow, unquote. On the bill, Boulder Philharmonic Orchestra season opener with pianist Anne-Marie McDermott, 4 p.m. Sunday, October 15 at Mackey Auditorium, 1595 Pleasant Street. You can get tickets at boulderphil, that's P-H-I-L, dot org slash transformation. Future Vision, coming in 2024 from Boulder Phil. January 7, Vignettes and Promenades. The orchestra will join pianist and composer Aldo Lopez Gavillan for its first program of the new year. Butterman has worked with him before, including in Boulder in 2019, where he played his piano concerto Emporium, which he encores during this performance. Quote, it fuses the world of classical and jazz, much like Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, Butterman says. It reflects the images of his Afro-Cuban heritage, unquote. Lopez Gavilan's new clarinet concerto is also featured, played by Philadelphia Orchestra principal clarinetist Ricardo Morales. Butterman says Lopez Gavilan does his own orchestrations and has a great ear for instrumental color. That provided the impetus for the large concert work on the program, Maurice Ravel's brilliant orchestration of Modeste Mussorgsky's Pictures at an Exhibition. Its gallery theme also fits with the title of the Emporium Concerto. February 11, Best of Boulder. The fourth concert on February 11 is titled Best of Boulder. CU cello professor David Rekiro plays Tchaikovsky's variations on a Rococo theme, and the Phil's two oboists, Sarah Beerhouse and Max Soto, join on Extraordinarily Fancy by Vietnamese-American composer Viet Quang. The Tchaikovsky work looks back to the style of his favorite composer Mozart, and the concert closes with that composer's last symphony, the Jupiter, number 41, to complement it. April 27, Spring Romance. Tchaikovsky anchors the season finale during the season's only Saturday concert. His fifth symphony is a masterpiece of cyclical form. Quote, he ratchets everything up when he introduces a joyous version of the opening fate motif at the end, unquote, Butterman says. Violinist Francisco Fuyano, who will also work with Greater Boulder Youth Orchestras that weekend, plays the virtuosic third concerto by Camille Saint-Saëns in his Boulder debut, paired on the first half with another French jam, Dermatin de Prétent, 
by Lily Boulanger, completed shortly before her death at age 24 in 1918. More on the 2023-2024 Boulder Philharmonic season is available at boulderphil.org. Entertainment, screen, best of the fest. Fill out your Denver Film Festival dance card with these choice cuts by Michael J. Casey, October 12, 2023. It's the most common question you get as a film critic. What's good? Variants include, what do you like? What excites you? What should I see? And if you've asked me any one of those in the past two months, the answer always comes easy. Perfect days. Set in modern-day Japan, Perfect Days follows a Tokyo toilet cleaner on his rounds. But these are no ordinary toilets. Maybe you've heard of them. The Japanese government recruited a dozen world-renowned architects and designers to fashion public restroom facilities so state-of-the-art, so welcoming and beautiful, that the workers servicing them and the patrons using them would treat them with reference, reverence. Septuagenarian filmmaker Wim Wenders photographs these lavatories with wide-eyed curiosity, much in the same way he follows Hirayama, or played by Koji Yakusho, on his daily rounds. Yes, the toilets are impressive to behold, particularly the block of neon-colored transparent boxes that discreetly frost the instant you lock the door. But so is the man tasked with keeping them shipshape. A quiet man, Hirayama, speaks little but wonders much. His dedication borders on religious ritual that spans every aspect of his life, from his tidy home to his love for rock and roll, which he listens to via cassette tapes as he traverses the city. Perfect Days might be the best depiction of Buddhism on screen I've ever seen. It's also one of the best movies of the year, and it's coming to the 46th Denver Film Festival, DFF, on Sunday, November 5, for a special 6.30 p.m. screening at the Denver Botanic Gardens. What a treat that will be. And treat might be the word that rolls through your mind while you peruse DFF's schedule with more than 160 features and shorts playing multiple venues November 3 through 12. The lineup includes some of the year's most anticipated releases, alongside exciting offerings from up-and-comers and local filmmakers. Passes and single tickets are on sale and going fast. In addition to Perfect Days, here are four more you want to put on your DFF dance card. Bad Press, 6 p.m. Friday, November 3, and 1.30 p.m. Saturday, November 4, AMC 9 Plus CO 10, 826 Albion Street in Denver. Freedom of the press is a liberty we take for granted in these United States, but on the sovereign nations of Indian reservations, surprisingly few councils recognize a free press with a constitutional amendment. 
Directors Rebecca Lansbury Baker and Joe Peeler follow Muskogee Media of Oklahoma's Muskogee Creek Nation as they try to do their job while the chief and council they cover are allowed to edit and revise their reporting. Bad press is a perceptive work that shows how quickly bad actors can control the narrative if accountability is suddenly tossed out the window. La Quimera, 7 p.m. Monday, November 6, Denver Botanic Gardens, 1007 York Street. The Italian landscape is pocked with tombs, crypts, graves, tunnels, you name it. Hundreds of years of history are underfoot, and Arthur, Josh O'Connor, and his merry band of grave robbers are here for the plundering. They're all working-class people, armed with little more than shovels and Arthur's almost supernatural ability to find the crypts. Directed by Alice Rohrwacher, La Chimera plays like a fairy tale with a social conscience and plenty of humor. The scene where Arthur and his crew argue with an auctioneer about the value and the potential implications of selling stolen artifacts is a delight. Join or Die, 7.45 p.m. Friday, November 10, and 4.15 p.m. Saturday, November 11, AMC 9 plus CO 10, 826 Albion Street, Denver. Though he didn't invent the phrase, political science Robert, scientist Robert Putnam put, quote, social capital, unquote, on the map when his bowling alone about the decline of clubs and organizations became one of the most talked about books of the 1990s. Directed by brother and sister Pete and Rebecca Davis, Join or Die is a lively approach to Putnam's work, his personality, and the myriad communities putting his findings to good work. Sorcerer, 6.45 p.m. Thursday, November 9, at the C Film Center, 2510 East Colfax Avenue in Denver. It wouldn't be a film festival without a tribute, and DFF tips its hat to the recently departed filmmaker William Friedkin. With hits like The French Connection and The Exorcist, Friedkin flourished in the 1970s. But when Sorcerer came out in 77, it had the dubious distinction of debuting the same weekend as Star Wars. It's a shame because Sorcerer is a forgotten masterpiece with one of the most gripping sequences you'll ever see. On screen at the Denver Film Festival, November 3 through 12, multiple venues, passes and tickets for Denver Film Festival at denverfilm.org. Events. Native American Arts and Crafts Auction. Saturday, October 14, 2023, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And on Sunday, October 15, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. At the Boulder County Fairgrounds, 9595 Nelson Road in Longmont. Call 303-678-6235 for more information. Thank you for joining us for the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Levine. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at 
www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.